Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today. First, it was Fast and Furious. I think Fast and Furious, uh, already just seeing it in, on the big screen that every single person on earth literally saw my car was mm. something incredible, you know, and we couldn't believe that this was going to be uh, what's actually happening. And it did change a lot, you know, because I was in China when it happened uh, and we were launching the Lycan in China during the same week of the movie that came out. And uh, if you see, we have a picture. We had 1.6 million people around our stand. 1.6 million people. Not a joke. Huh? So they had to shut down the motor show just because people were trying to get next to the lichen. And you have 20, 30, 40 layers of people, of men, and had to get the police to get them out so we can actually leave in the evening, which was unbelievable. Welcome to Conversations with Lulu. My guest today is an innovator par excellence. Ralph Debas is the founder and CEO of W Motors, the first manufacturer of high-performance luxury hypercars in the Middle East. Ralph, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lulu. Good to be here. So tell us, what, how did you get inspired to start W Motors? It goes way back. Uh, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you know, you know, you're born with something, the passion that's born in you. So um, ever since I was a kid, I used to always play with cars. I knew that I, I want to do something with cars. You know, the mm -hmm. passion was there. I didn't know what exactly it was. And then uh, bit by bit, the more I started, you know, dreaming about the future, about future cars, about designing something in the future. I discovered that there is something called automotive design, uh, which is a major that we're not familiar with in the Middle East. Uh, it was in England, so I applied for that, and I went for it. I just went for it. I come from a family of entrepreneurs as well. So okay. my father, my grandfather, my uncles, all of us are uh, entrepreneurs. They're all self-made. They created their own dreams, you know, whether they succeeded or not, you know, but they made it their own thing. And I was brought up in this environment, you know, just go for it, try it out, dream big, and you'll see. You know, you're still young. You can always try again. And this was my push. So I went for it and I became a car designer. I became one of the first Arabs to graduate with the car design uh, masters. And I started W Motors when I was there because I had some time to reflect on what I want to do. Is it designing a car? Is it uh, being a designer in a big brand, a big company, like all kids you know, want to be? Mm -hmm. uh, or is it just something even bigger and bigger than that? And I realized that the challenge isn't enough if it's just designing a car and waiting 10 years to maybe see a door handle that I designed on a car. Mm -hmm. But if I take things in my own hands, maybe I could make, uh, make something different, which is bring the industry to the, to the region. And this became my challenge. This became my goal, is build the industry from scratch, from the ground up, bring it to the Middle East and fight for it. And I put a 20-year timeline for that. So it's going to happen one day. And we did it in 15 years. So um, it was a big challenge, building a brand, building the whole thing. So exciting, such an amazing adventure. And that's how it started. So one thing after the other and started uh, coming together. Okay, so the fact that you come from an entrepreneurial fam family, you think helped you? Absolutely. And yeah, taking yeah. that, uh, yeah, yeah. because you could have worked anywhere, right? Yes, I know. I mean, I could have worked anywhere if I had good grades, but I was really bad at school. So I couldn't get to good universities. Uh, uh, you know, in, in the region we're brought up is you have to be an architect or a doctor or a lawyer or study business. I couldn't get to any of these schools, you know, because I was just an average student at school because I was a dreamer. I was always a dreamer. Uh, so I started the graphic design and then I said, you know what, let me see either working in a graphic design company or okay. maybe doing my business one day. And I just went for the second, which was uh, 
the push and this is what brought me here sitting in front of you today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you started with the car first, right? Yeah. Your first project was car. Maybe can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about it and how did that vision sort of evolve over okay. time? It started, yeah, it started with making... With an amazing car. It's a great car, the Lycan Hypersport, which was uh, the first Arab car. So this is uh, the label. Uh, it came out, so we started building it in 2008, started designing it uh, in Lebanon. I had a small office in Lebanon, uh, I had two guys with me, this was our company, you know, back then. And we started designing a car and working to try to get some funds, you know, left and right. When I say funds, just a few hundred dollars from here and there just to pay for engineering software and stuff. And uh, bit by bit started, you know, getting attention from people around me. And, when uh, was that? 2008, 2009. Okay. So this is when I started the, the, the business. And then uh, 2010 was my first trip to Magna Steyr. Magna is the largest engineering company in the world. Uh, they produce over 50% of the cars uh, you see on the road today. Oh. And I just sent an email out saying, you know, I'm, I want to build this car. You know, can you help me out? And they replied back four days later or five days later uh, saying, oh, yeah, we remember you, the crazy kid from the Middle East that came to see us in Geneva in 2000 and I don't remember, 2005 or six that wants to build that car. So um, next thing you know, I was on a plane all alone, uh -huh. a young kid. I was uh, 20, 20 years old, 21 years old, 20 year old. I had a sketch. I had a business plan that I did myself, and I went to meet uh, the executive of Magna Star in Austria, all by myself. And after two days of meeting, I convinced them to be part of this dream and to help me build the first Arabian car. And that's how the adventure started. So I started going from uh, Austria to Italy to Germany, try to meet the suppliers, see how I want to do it. Back then, I had no money still to make it, but I was sharing the dream. Everybody was part of it. Okay, uh, for, but for those of you who haven't seen the Lycan for any reason, this is a this is a this is a, a supercar. It's a hypercar. A hypercar. Yeah, Please, even, can you explain the difference? Even beyond, yes. A supercar is we so have sports cars, uh -huh. which let's say an example, sports car is a Porsche uh, Carrera or uh, let's say I don't know, like something in that category. Okay. A supercar is something a bit more than that. It's like uh, let's say uh, a Ferrari um, F12 or something that's a bit more exclusive and a bit okay. faster and powerful and designed that's crazy in the price range. No, Bugatti is a hypercar. Hypercar, okay. So hypercar is defined by performance, power, uniqueness, and price, and design altogether. There is no, no definition, like say, actually, that what a hypercar is. But it has to be unique and, and different. So the Lycan was built to only seven cars in the world. Yes, and the price point. It was it was the most expensive car in the world back then when it came out in 2012. Yeah. So 3.4 3 million dollars. And only seven cars were made. So it, the whole aspect of it became a hypercar from day one. Okay. And but wh why that car? Like, why build the hypercar? We ha I wanted to start with a bang, you know, we had to okay. bring attention to us in the Middle East, you know, because you cannot make another random car, another average car. Nobody's going to look at you, nobody's going to hear about it and talk mm -hmm. about it. So I wanted to come, come up with something that people, you know, focus on, say, okay, that something's happening in the Middle East, mm -hmm. whether it makes sense or not, putting diamonds in the lights and reverse doors and floating holograms and stuff like that, which is amazing, by the way. But everything about it was unique, from the price to the design to the limited edition, everything. And this got the attention from people working. And then having the multinationals support such a project, such mm -hmm. as Magna and Roof and all the big groups, this gave the credibility to the project. That we're not just amateurs in the Middle East trying to build a car. No, we built it in the real process. It was five years of development, engineering, crash test certification, biggest multinationals, and here it is, you know, the three and a half million dollar car that came from the Middle East. So this was the story, the beginning of it. And then uh, things started evolving from there, you know, from... Uh, so how did that evolve? So the Lycan was the first, and I think the biggest, um, the biggest, let's say, stardom for the car was mm -hmm. Fast and Furious 7. So this was an unexpected thing, which got How us... How did that happen? 
they actually reached out to us. People think it was a product placement, but uh, trust me, a small company like ours back then, uh -huh. we cannot afford to be in a movie like that. Uh, they actually paid us. It was the most incredible deal that people not, not even believe till today. You know, we were under NDA for five years. We couldn't talk about it. But so they paid us big amount of money to be featured in the movie. They had to rewrite the whole script around the Lycan, which is un unbelievable. They bought 10 cars from us. And one of them I still have in our showroom, which you can come and see it. It's really beautiful. Uh, one of their actual stunt cars. And uh, we have a lifetime royalty deal with them. So we keep on working with them, you know, in merchandise and toys and stuff like that. So it's really something un unheard of in the industry before. But this got us the attention of the global market. So people saw it in the US and really? China and Asia and Europe. And this became the brand, you know, this supercar, you know, Hollywood celebrity car. And it got us the access to all the international shows. But you only have seven of it, right? Seven were made by, by back then, uh, okay. from 2012 to 15. You don't plan to make more? No, the Lycan only seven. This was limited to seven. It was designed seven in Arabic, which is the V. Okay. You can see it on the car. Each one is numbered one to seven. Um, number zero is also, we have number zero here in, uh, in our showroom, which is beautiful, besides the Fast and Furious. Um, but after that, we launched the Finir, which was the more affordable car. So we went down. While other companies were actually launching entry-level cars and going higher and higher, we did it the other way around. Affordable, it's still... Uh, okay, it's still $1.6 million, but uh, it's produced to 100 cars, it's more okay. performance-oriented, less, less, let's say, uh, collector, you know, no more diamonds and stuff. That's so really something you can drive and enjoy and take it to a racetrack every day. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing, amazing car. And this got the attention of a different niche of people. So the race drivers, the collectors that want to drive, you know, something that we weren't familiar with. And we started getting into that world, going to races and going to Goodwood and Fuel Fest and all the big international events. So this was a different aspect of the view, moving from luxury to performance and sports, which is great. This is a supercar, by the way, not a hypercar. So if you want to put it in that, that okay. one, that category. Um, and then we said, you know what? There is a niche for us to start to grow even faster. And that's where we realized that our business was mainly focused on the key collectors around the world, which were, were able to pay one and a half million to $3 million on a car. But a company cannot grow like that. You cannot make money or sustain a business and you know, have growth in a business if you don't generate revenues from elsewhere. You cannot wait a year to get a car produced and it takes a lot of time to make a car. And that's where we started becoming the, the only, and I believe till today, automotive consultancy coming from the Middle East. So we're offering our services to OEMs, third-party uh, businesses, governments, uh, private clients that want to design and build something. Mm -hmm. And this, we, we saw a big niche in Asia. So we started going into China and getting big clients from there. And we ended up signing some of the biggest deals in consultancy to produce mass production electric cars in China uh, until now. And uh, these are deals that generated the growth that the company needed. So we grew the team, we grew our services and generated revenues that got us to where we are here. So this was the beginning of the shift, let's say, that we saw we don't have to focus only on W. W is the brand, mm -hmm. but our services is what we need to focus on. And then many more things, which I'll tell you about uh, as well now, if you want. <laughs> yeah, I saw that you have a big, huge project with uh, the Dubai police. Yes, well. yeah. This started as a joke, uh, to be honest. Uh, okay. It's not as a joke, but uh, over a coffee, you know, Did with... Did they reach uh, out as well? And they said, yeah, this can was, you build us uh, the super police car? Now, this came initially from a company called the Safe City Group in Abu Dhabi. So Safe City is a, is a provider for the government for services, security uh, equipment, cameras, softwares, uh, anything, command centers, everything. Okay. And they came to W in 2016, so it was a while back. And we were joking around, what if we build together, you know, a crazy looking car that has mm -hmm. everything inside. So it's a command center, but in a car. And then a joke became a reality. So, so a few months later, we had a contract with them, uh, with the big guys in Abu Dhabi to push this project forward. 
and we built the first prototype, which was a fully functioning car that had anything you can imagine. Crime prediction software, the driver behavior, uh, you know, plate recognition, face recognition, the commands, everything inside the car. Drones that fly off from the roof. And the Dubai police saw the car, uh, and it was during the week of Jitex. So you didn't have a client for it? No, no, our client was uh, the Minister of Interior in Abu Dhabi, was okay. uh, Safe City and was going to Abu Dhabi. Okay. This was the initial client, let's say, or the target initially from Safe okay. City. But uh, when we saw that Dubai took it and they took it to Jitex in 2018, October, uh, supposed to be for a week. So they put the Dubai police livery, they took it there, and then they were supposed to give it back to us so we can go and continue our sales tour, you know, with this car, with the mm -hmm. clients that we have in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't expect that the first day of a Dubai event, you have His Highness, Sheikh Mohammed, that will come in. So Sheikh Mohammed comes in and he sees this big beast. It was called the Beast back then. And he sees the beast parked at the entrance of Jitex and he sits in the car for 10 minutes wondering what it is. Uh, the next day, Sheikh Hamdan, the Crown Prince, comes in and he loves the car and he says, you know what, we need to call, name the car Rayat. So he named the car Rayat. What does Rayat mean? Rayat is the name of his falcon, okay. which is the savior. So they named the car Rayat and immediately they changed the name to Rayat. It became a Dubai police project. And the third day, they, uh, Sheikh Saif, the Minister of Interior, comes in and he sees the car again and he congratulates Dubai police on the initiative to push the Rayat forward. And that's where we started. We signed with the police, started doing the workshops, development uh, projects. And uh, the, pro the car was supposed to be produced in Europe for the first batch and then come back here. But COVID helped us to reshift the whole plan. Okay. Because we couldn't travel, we couldn't develop, we had deadlines, we had contracts to deliver. And we decided last year during COVID to shift the manufacturing to Dubai and start building the cars here. And the that's cars, fantastic. it was amazing. And that's here. what we did. So the cars that we see on the roads were actually technically the first cars ever built in the history of the UAE. Every single component was built here locally. So local supply chain, either in-house or within a supply chain that we built and we trained, uh, labor that we got from the street. They had no experience by building cars before. We just got them, trained them for a few months, and now they're working with us full-time building cars. So it was an incredible experience going to universities, getting students, getting fresh graduates, people who worked in kitchens, they were working in, on cars. So we literally changed and shifted the whole way we built cars and it worked. We delivered the beautiful cars to the police, which are driving on the roads now. And they were proud to say made in UAE for the first time. So yeah. you have a, like a specific capacity now that you can produce? Yeah, I mean, not, this is a temporary factory we built now, okay. which is where our new HQ. You are building a new one. Yes, right? the new one is, is supposed to be ready as well in 2021, beginning of 2021. Uh, we pushed it till now, so Q3, 2022. Okay. So what would be the capacity? Would this build only the Rayat? No, no, no. The new factory is our new HQ, which is massive. It's a beautiful okay. factory that we built. First car factory in the Middle East as well uh, of that scale. So we're producing 500 cars on a production line of police vehicles, plus you have EVs, autonomous cars, buses, supercars, hypercars, design centers, engineering center. We have a cinema to teach the culture of cars. People can go and learn about the history of cars while they're there. We have two restaurants opening, a burger place, we have a showroom, wow. an R&D center. It's an, it's an amazing, it's a, it's a dream come true. That's what I wanted to build. It's a yes. campus for people to come and explore their passion and start building their projects, not only for us, but Anybody who wants to have something to do with cars, they can uh, come and enjoy it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine how many people, I mean, did this degree even exist here, car design in our region? No, no, no. automotive design never existed uh, and still doesn't. So we partner now with universities uh, that we know. So uh, like uh, Sharjah University, American University of Sharjah, RIT University, and many others that we're very close to. And we're trying to put in a program in place to start training the students under the program they want to create, mm -hmm. and then build the academy within the W campus to become an official accredited academy in the next few years and start graduating students with the top you know, designers to come and teach them and start coming out with automotive designers from the Middle East for the first time.
Ja. Wow. Cool that's, story. That's, yeah. that's very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. So, what did the, what did, okay, I think a, a question here. How did you fund all of this? I mean, this is like, this is a massive project. It is, yeah. Uh, from building the, the, the cars initially to branching out into different verticals. I mean, you said the consulting had to pay some of the bills, but can you maybe take us through the initial yeah, phases yeah. Of, of getting this uh, off you, the ground? You'll be, you'll be surprised if I tell you that a 15-year-old company uh, is organically funded since day one. We never got a round into the company, not okay. even A series. Not, so it was really un, unheard of as a company that grows that much to become where it is and potentially going to the public markets you know, very soon. But uh, we had, of course, some seed rounds at the beginning. One of them is a, is a friend of mine that joined in uh, the beginning of the company, so in 2011, 2012, uh, still a shareholder in the company. So he helped create, let's say, a seed fund. Okay. Uh, then it was the family that helped a bit, you know, and the business that we created just to generate. And then from 2017 onwards, the company was uh, self-funded, uh, cash positive, and uh, creating and profitable, profitable from day one, from 17 which is amazing. So we're re reinvesting our own funds into the company to grow where it is. The factory is built by our own funds, imagine. So we didn't even get a loan from the back to, build a, to build a car factory. So this is unheard of, uh, having a car company that has zero loans and zero leverage with the banks. So this is something that's quite amazing. Now, the reality of things, if you look at it you know, in details, in 2013, we did have a round, a very small round uh, with the Lebanese bank which okay. is also having you know, the support from a Lebanese private bank to invest in W Motors as a fiduciary for four years, uh, which we bought back in 2017. Uh, it was also unheard of to see somebody support a company. Was like that, that part of the 331 circular? No, no, no. It was uh, FFA private bank back then. Uh, they had the fiduciary rounds. And it was, it was good to have the support of a bank like that. You know, now the amounts that we're looking are very different than what we had before. Mm -hmm. But it's good to see that there, was the, you know, there were these small support that came in. Uh, and then we grew to where we are. Because, I mean, when you think about automotive companies, I used to work for Daimler Chrysler uh, when I first started my career here. Yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've driven uh, Unimog. Do you know Unimogs? Those big trucks? Oh, you're kidding. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, so when you think about automotive companies, you think about massive companies, you know, yeah, R&D, yeah. manufacturing, production, all, all of that. So it's, no, it is, it's it is, really it is. fascinating what you've built. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Without the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, no, we didn't say we didn't spend this much. We did maybe, but uh, it wasn't, I mean, the story is really, and I'm really proud, you know, to know that we really calculated everything we're doing and we were never went into something which we knew we couldn't do. So every time we're announcing something, because we knew we could yeah. cover it and fund it and then take it to the next level. But there's so much happening now at this stage in the company that we needed to find, you know, a different way. So it's impossible. So you focused on profitability though from the beginning? Profitability because our volumes are small and that's the reason why we succeeded to doing that. We didn't have produce a million cars mm -hmm. to start making profits. You know, we made seven cars and we made 20 cars a year, then we made 50 cars there. Started adding up bit by bit to reaching to where we are. Mm -hmm. But last year we did, um, yeah, last year, 2021, we did a convertible bond in Vienna, which we listed in Vienna. And this was the first time also that a private company from Dubai lists a convertible bond in the public market in, in Europe. Uh, this was and, also. And how much did you raise? So it, it's a fifty million dollar bond that we did. Uh, we didn't. Fifteen, one five. No, fifty or five zero. 50, okay. Five zero. Uh, we got Julius Baer that invested uh, from their own books in Zurich right away, and this was also a nice stamp to the company to say, mm -hmm. Swiss banks, you know, also validating projects in the Middle East and supporting us for growth. So this is where now at this level we're trying to get the funds bit by bit to reach it to uh, where it should be.
What do you think about uh, the new uh, companies that are, especially the electric vehicle companies that are coming up, uh, like Rivian, for example, raising? I love it. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, but they're they're raising like massive amounts of money. It's right? like it's not about raising. It's about uh, I mean, there's a SPAC hype that's happening in the mm -hmm. past. I don't know if you're familiar with the SPACs. Yes. So it's been happening for decades, by the way. And and the the, the hype happened during COVID. You know that. So all the companies were jumping on the occasion to try to get access to capital quickly. Yes. Uh, but yet they're still putting some crazy valuations because they're looking at projections that are uncertain. And if you look at most of the companies that went public, especially in the EV sector, mm -hmm. they had no products. They had a team, yes. they had an R&D team, they had a prototype, and they said, you know, maybe in 2026, we will sell 100,000 cars and the money we're going to raise is going to help us build the car. Mm -hmm. Everybody's clapping, they look at their multiples in 2026, you're worth $50 billion. Everybody's saying, yeah, great. And they go, they ring the bell. Yes. And they cash in billions of dollars. Yes. Now, this is great today, but wait four or five years. If they don't, don't deliver a product, sustainable. it will go down. I mean, if they don't deliver a product as a company, mm -hmm. the stocks will go down, everybody. So now people realize that this is happening. And the SEC is putting a lot of you know, focus on Wait a second, you know, don't look at five-year projection. Yeah. Let's look Actually, at what's SEC happening. is looking at regulating SPACs. From yeah, people and it's going to happen. It's going to happen this yeah. year. I so think a lot so. of them have gone south. And the reason is now they're looking at actuals and near-future projection, which things that are tangible, no longer intangible. And now this gives a bigger security for companies like us, which are 15-year-old. You know, we have products, we have sales, we have contracts, we have guaranteed projection because we know where we're heading and we have contracts in hand. So people want to see companies, I'm not saying we're the perfect scenario, but like W Motors that have shown a track record that they can make it. We saw yes. the example of Anrami, we saw Swivel that went as well a few days ago. Yes. So these are examples that are real, that are tangible, that have revenues. And we need to see more of that. And this gives you a more realistic valuation. So to go back to your question on the EVs, valuations are ridiculous. They yes. don't make sense whatsoever. But that's an opportunity for you, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say yes so? Yes, I know. Yes, I know. An opportunity because you think that higher valuation is, is better. It's not the case. Uh, it's not that. You have a product, as you said, it's a 15-year-old ah, yeah, For that case, yes. For uh, that, for that, it is. It is. And uh, it is a good chance, you know, for us also to follow the what's happening now yeah. in the region, to start taking these companies internationally. And maybe it's going to happen. We, because uh, is the vision, would the vision be, you know, producing more cars? Because you said... Yes, yes. Not mass cars. We're not going to reach mass production. You know, our business line is going to reach a thousand vehicles a year in the next few years okay. and then duplicate the same model globally. So we'll have the same facility we have here in the US, in Asia, in Europe and start catering for the needs of the you know, either government or private, okay. but with localizing production in different territories. And this will get you a higher volume, but still be a smaller company that you can control. And the focus would be on luxury performance cars and hybrid Not necessarily. Cars. I mean, we have the performance and luxury, which is going EV, by the way. So it's going to be full electric in the next year. Then you have the government and security and police and unmanned vehicles, which is a big chunk of our business uh, currently and moving forward. Uh, then you have the consultancy side, which is designing and producing mm -hmm. engineering for other parties. And you have the technology side, which is uh, NFTs and metaverse and experience back, you know, experiences yes. in the back end. So these are many things that we're working on in parallel. We'll talk about that a little bit yeah. as well. So before, but before we get there, um, out of curiosity, when you, again, we, we always, when we talk to entrepreneurs today, successful entrepreneurs, we look at where they are and not necessarily, we don't know how they got there. Hmm. So um, how, how did your to-do list look like initially in the early days? Do you remember? Like what, disaster, were you, uh, what were you working on? What was your focus back then? Back then it was, I, I, never, I never thought, you know, that we're going to be producing police cars that are driving on the road or developing technologies for the governments. And how do you prioritize them? 
now everything's priority to be honest now everything is the same importance as anything else but back then when i started it was only i want to make the best supercar in the world you know we're okay. all we're all boys when i make something fast and that looks cool and mm -hmm. expensive but it was it was never about something else and bit by bit started saying okay where's the best you know uh, product that we can generate more revenues from or what is going to get us more exposure or give us access to different territories and this is where we focus on now creating a product that's affordable uh, the rayat that we created is the first nearly $100,000 car, you know, which is amazing to have a product like this so affordable and they have so much, so much tech. And this is getting the attention of the international market, saying in the U.S., say, okay, we pay that much for our police cars and we have a camera inside. You guys are giving me endless lists of technologies for similar pricing. Now I'm interested to look at this company. So this is what we need to focus on in our to-do list. But can you can you sustain that, uh, that uh, demand, basically, if, you know, if you do win a big contract Listen, if demand comes, that's a problem you need to... We will face it once once it comes, but okay. um, still our volumes are not... We're not talking tens and tens of thousands, you know, okay. so even if demand comes, you're still going to be able to manage deliver either from here or from different facilities you can okay. set up very quickly. And today, how does your to-do list look like as, as the CEO <laughs> of, of the company? What are your kind of main focus areas? Mm, I think it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a bit difficult to say, you know, because... Uh, you have government deals happening at the same time, so we have to make sure that the deal goes through you know, in the best possible way. Then you have to produce the cars, you have to follow up on the production of the cars. You have the technology partners, you have the supercars that we produce still in Italy and here okay. uh, that I still have to overlook. And then uh, you have the technology part, which has to be set up in a proper way. We have the factory under construction that I have to overlook every day and go five times a day to the site to make sure everything is on track. Uh, the machines that you have to order, and we have the financial part of the business, which uh, is taking a big chunk of our time now, as we're doing a lot of financial restructuring as well for the next six months, which needs to be uh, handled. So my schedule, when I say, is is pretty. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's busy. I'm just saying it's a bit everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I try to make sure I can cover everything as much as possible. Yeah. So if you had to um, distill, basically, if you had to look at your experience over the past 15 years and think about some of the most pivotal moments for your company. Hmm. What were they? There were many, many moments that you think, okay, this had to happen for that other thing to happen. Yeah. And everything ends up being a chain, you know. I mean, it's, it's a butterfly effect, you know. You can't say that this was a pivotal moment that led me to that. Maybe something else would have led me to something else. Um, I think, something that happened and you said, okay, this is going to change things. Well, first it was Fast and Furious. I think Fast and Furious, uh, already just seeing it in, on the big screen that every single person on earth literally saw my car was something incredible, you know, and we couldn't believe that this was going to be uh, what's actually happening. And it did change a lot, you know, because I was in China when it happened uh, and we were launching the Lycan in China during the same week of the movie that came out. And uh, if you see, we have a picture. We had 1.6 million people around our stand. 1.6 million people. Not a joke. Huh? So they had to shut down the motor show just because people were trying to get next to the Lycan and you have 20, 30, 40 layers of people, of men, we had to get the police to get them out so we can actually leave in the evening, which was unbelievable. Wow. So this was a point where I saw, okay, maybe something is happening and we're doing something right, you know, over here. This was the first, if you want. Then, uh, then everything else, really, it's uh, what we what we're doing as an adventure is incredible because we, okay, we have fun, we work really, really hard. But at the end of the day, when we see our cars, it's not a trade show. We take our cars to a racetrack and we race with mm. the biggest celebrities racing over there, and people are admiring your product, you know. And you're sort of touching it, they're feeling it, they're driving it. This is a big, the biggest, you know, validation that you're doing something right. So just to be able to access these kind of events shows you that you're on the right track for it. 
So uh, many things happen. I can I can't put my finger on only okay. one. Yeah. So you've built. I mean, W Motors is a is a would you call it a luxury brand? No, it's a today. I mean, depend define when. Okay. So if you found W Motors in 2012, let's say, was a high performance luxury manufacturer, luxury car manufacturer. Uh, w Motors today is a technology mobility provider. So we're providing mobility solutions, and regardless whether they are on four wheels, two wheels, flying, landing, doing whatever you want, that's that's what we're doing. Okay. Are there any um, learnings from from building a brand because you know you've built a, a global brand? Yeah, right? yeah. It's, uh, so, are there certain things that you had to uh, kind of uh, um, how do you say protect? You know, with 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 everything you can. Were you were you protective over your brand? Were there certain things? It's 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 very difficult because you know, it, and it's a good point you mentioned, Amy. Because not only are we coming from the Middle East, which Internationally, you know, people always have this misconception, you know, that we're in the Middle Eastern company that's trying to enter the American market, European market, mm-hmm. especially in the car industry. We have to fight, you know, to prove that our product is there. Mm-hmm. But we had to also build our brand at the same time. So it was really a challenge from everywhere. Now, the branding part of it was uh, my wife was in charge of that, and she still is. You know, she's uh, she works with us. She's a managing partner in the company as well. Okay. So she was in charge of anything related to PR, and she was very protective into creating the brand into where it should be today. So I'm really thankful for for that. Because it is a luxury. It did start as it a luxury did, it did. brand. It did. Right? And this was the cachet. With... Yeah, this was the image you wanted to bring uh, mm-hmm. to try to compete on the international scale. And she did a great job, you know, her and her t- and the team to do it. But at the same time, the brand there is a key element to it because people tend to start do a startup, start their business, and they forget about the branding part of it. You know, mm-hmm. they're so focused on what they do is that, okay, ten, five years later, you know, we, we created this thing. By the time they go out, nobody knows who they are. And we did the other way, the opposite. I started building the brand from day one, even before the car was born, was created. There was a show called, and you can still see it actually, it's called The Making of a Supercar. So we got a German TV to follow me all around the world. Don't ask me why. It's not because I like to be filmed, but I figured that one day we're going to look back and look at the archives. But I didn't know that these documentaries were actually bought by big channels and networks to build the first Arabian supercar, episode one, two, three, and four, so 30-minute videos. And this started off how we got to creating the Lycan. So it was even before that. And this got the attention of Universal. This got me to Fast and Furious, and this got me to everything else, because they saw what's behind the scene. And this created the brand awareness even before the brand was created. And I think this is very important for anybody doing their companies to start working on the brand Get the hype, get the people to understand it, what's the message, what's the meaning, what it values are, what the values are, and then the product will follow and people understand it even more and more and more. And this is what we did. So I think this was very important, yeah. So now you're taking the the, the, the cars, the, the, the physical assets into the uh, the virtual. Yeah. So yeah. you're going into the metaverse, uh, you told me that <laughs> when we spoke last time. So yeah. what are you doing? That's amazing. So I, I, we announced it last year. Uh, people, everybody, everybody in the room thought I was completely crazy, which I, which I, I always get this reaction, but it's normal. But this time they took it one step further. Like this guy is gone. Um, so today, what we're seeing with the NFT world is that most of the people now it's getting more. People are getting more educated on that, which is great. But before that, the NFTs were just this, these gimmicks that people are just spending money and tokenizing them and getting. I don't know. And nobody understood what's the point. Spending crypto punks and yeah, right. And, apes and, and yeah, people spend sixty million dollars on I don't know what on a Beeple thing, and yes. so it doesn't make sense anymore. And we saw we saw an opportunity for us to actually enter that world, but offer something that made like may had a meaning or an okay. experience that had a meaning. 
So you're not buying only the NFT, you're buying the experience when you're doing that. Okay. And as an automotive brand, we want to leverage on the recognition and the global presence of W to try to bring in the followers we have and try to tap into this two or three trillion dollars that's sitting in the in the uh, crypto world. And we created the X-Packs, the Experience Pack 1, Experience Pack 2 or 3. Okay. So the X-Packs is when you go to our website or you go to buy a car in our dealership or, or, or in our showroom, mm -hmm. you can either buy the real cars, so the real W Motors cars, mm -hmm. where you can customize, you build. How can you buy them? Are they all sold? No, no, the real, no, the, 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 the finiers, you mean? Or, yes. How many How many finiers do you have? No, finiers still in production for the next three years. Oh, uh, all right. Okay. Produce so only, only the Lycan. The Lycan is gone, yeah. No. Finier okay. is currently in production. The Aquila's coming, or the WM03 code name, sorry, okay. is coming out uh, next year. And many, many other cars coming. So you can customize them, you can buy them, and you can drive them home. The... Um, X-Pack 2, or sorry, the uh, W Motors 2, W2, is is where you can actually enter the, the virtual world. So you go into the uh, X-Packs and you have a selection of endless designs mm -hmm. that you can choose from. You know, like the... So you create your own car? You don't create. Our designers are actually feeding the, the section with the cars every week. And the cars are different performance, different designs, different okay. specs, different pricing, different whatever it is. And you choose one, you buy it as an NFT, okay. and you buy this car. You become the owner of that design. You're the only one in the world that owns that design. Okay. And then what you do with it, you plug it in your virtual garage, which is a VR garage, and you start building your collection of cars in the virtual world. But instead of just having it there and looking at it and smiling and clapping that you have it, what we're doing now is open source video games where you can actually take it and plug it in a video game and go race with it with your friends, show off to your friends, oh, this is the car that I own. Oh, that's it's amazing. not a car that's already in the game that everybody can drive. So partnering with existing uh, game Existing developers. game, exactly. And you can actually enter the game with your car, race with it. The more races you win, the more tokens you get, the more value it's going to get. And you can trade it later on as a car car that's wow. getting a higher value as a classic car or something okay. like that. The second pack is X-Pack 2, which is one step further. It's the same concept. You buy the NFT, you put it in your virtual garage, you okay. race it with but we deliver to your home a real-life simulator of the car. Okay. So you get delivered to your home a simulator that gives you the real experience of driving the car with the G-force, with the wind, with everything, the real cabin interior. So you're actually driving the car indirectly, but you're sitting in your living room. Okay. And it gives you one step further to reality. And the last pack is X-Pack 3, is us as a company, once a year, we will actually choose one design and we will build it in real life, a real car. Okay. And this car will travel with us around the world to all the tours that we do. So by buying the NFT, you have the design, you have the simulator, and you get access to eight tracks a year, a year around the world, where wow. if you say, you know what, well. I want to drive it, I want to feel the real car, you just go on a plane, meet us in, in uh, Fuji in Japan, drive the car as much as you want, and then come back to your home, and you get the full immersive experience from virtual to physical in one, in one experience. So That's this amazing. is something that we're trying to build, and we're doing it at, at the moment, and it's going to grow into many different things in the metaverse, uh, gatherings, motor shows, uh, e-marketplace, etc. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 you're talking and you remind me of the saying, like sometimes with entrepreneurs, when you go and pitch an idea and they say, well, you know, X company can do it super quick and, and Y company can replicate very quickly. But then, you know, if, if I hear you, you're doing so much like why why isn't Daimler doing this you know why isn't Porsche doing this it's it's amazing they're, they're all gonna eventually do it uh, but mm, but, but you know why that. aren't they you know but you are and, yeah we, we, we are uh, trying to uh, yeah and we always want to try to be how do the, you, why did you decide to get into that like how did you see that as an opportunity I, I listen I saw that there's a big community of followers that we have at W and they're always following our video games because we're in all the video games uh, around the world so all oh, our cars okay. are everywhere and my son is always playing with the Lycan and he sees a lot of things so when I saw that there is a big following for the for the brand on okay. the virtual world, 
we realize what if we give them something beyond just driving a car that anybody can drive mm-hmm. and this the idea started like that and when i saw the hype of the nfts and the hype for the on the blockchain and the, and it became a tangible idea in our mind and said you know what let's let's push push for it and we always want to be the pioneers in the region or pioneers around the world when it comes to creative ideas whether others will do it you know it's we welcome them with open arms mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe they can do it better than us later on but we want to start somewhere and try to get you know try to take it all the way all the way through how big, how big is your team? So we're nearly 100 people here in Dubai, and we're going to grow to around 250 by next year it's with a new factory. People, huh? We're people. a very small company, yeah. With everything that you're doing. Yeah, and people don't believe it uh, when they see uh, what we have, what we create, let's say, and achieve, and how our company is growing with such a team is incredible, really. So our team is really, they know how to do everything, trust me. This is the best part of our team. So how, if I had to ask you, like, what are the one or two things that you think make your company very successful? Um, well, one, the passion that everybody has, okay. that's that's a key thing. And this is a new thing that we also made sure uh, a few years ago during COVID, you know, you saw the all the companies had challenges, including us and everybody else. So we had to shut down locations. We had many offices in Dubai. We had, we had to take, you know, our precautions to grow the business to where it is. And we realized that many of our employees didn't care. They didn't care if the business went bankrupt or grew or we did well or we went out of this COVID situation or not. They just wanted to have their salary at the end of the day, you know, and if you're one day, you know, say late, then all hell, you know, is, uh, we cannot say that on the, or, you know, all the problems will... Say whatever you like, <laughs> okay. this is a podcast. All right, cool. <laughs> so, so we realized that, you know, maybe we should revisit, you know, who's working for the company and we okay. should revisit, you know, the spirit of the company and the passion behind it. Because if these people have been with you for years, just make such a fuss, you know, because you're telling them, I'm not going to pay you today, I will pay you tomorrow. Uh, there's something wrong in, in what's behind it. So we, we, we've made sure that everybody working today at W is really working with passion behind it. And the biggest the biggest validation was what I saw when we built the police cars. Because we were built, we built the police cars in 90 days. We built uh, 10 cars for the police, 100%. First time ever built here in the region. Uh, we set up the, the factory. We got the machines. We trained the people. We got the people. We got the supply chain. 90 days, the cars were on the road. Does it sit on a chassis of another car? Or? Yes, yes. These, these sit on the Nissan chassis. Oh, okay. And, uh, okay. But still, we're building 650 parts, designed, engineered, and built all together, exterior and interior, which is unbelievable. And when I saw how it was built, and I saw the, how excited they were to build it, mm-hmm. my team was working three shifts, 24 hours a day. We didn't shut for three months, 24 hours a day. Uh, we had the head of engineering, the engineers, the new graduates, the interns, sleeping at the office week after week just to make sure that they can finish what they're doing. And we weren't telling them. We told them, you know, 7, 8 p.m., go back home. They were there the night after night, and then we realized that they're not doing it for me they're not, or for the, for the salary. They're doing it really because they want to do it. And we did it. And just getting this kind of environment and this kind of thrive and push is unreal. And I think we are in a rare position as a company to have such people working with us. Uh, and this is the key thing for the company's success. Okay, and you said you work with your, you said your wife works with you. In yeah, yeah, she's yeah. A, she's a partner in the company. She's, yeah, she's a managing partner. That's and, great. Uh, yeah, she's, she's amazing. And I, I cannot do it without her, honestly. So you yeah. make it work. Listen, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's, there's different opinions about like... It's not easy. No, no, of course. It, it wasn't easy at the beginning, let's say, you know, if, not because of her or me, uh, because we were in different locations where we were more in an office location uh, in Business Bay, one of our offices or in JLT before, where it was a bit of a mix so we were seeing each other a lot you know and it was who takes a decision on what and this is which is normal in every single company mm-hmm. but once we made sure that we the company grew a bit more and then we moved to much bigger locations where 
it was separate. She was in charge of her department, uh, which is making sure that everything runs smooth, you know, operations and HR and my marketing. Uh, I was traveling a lot. I used to travel every day. That was uh, 360 flights a year before COVID. Wow. So it was unbelievable, the lifestyle I had. So I used to see her when I could, but I knew the company was in good hands with her here. So it was a good way to get the trust as well to build and to have our distance indirectly from work, but still be close at home. Uh, now, no, now we have this beautiful relationship at work, you know, and, uh, and she knows this is what she does. And then I don't, I don't even get involved at all. I don't even ask what happens there because I know she's doing it uh, the right way. Yeah, I personally think it's great to work with a spouse. Yeah, it's amazing. Because it's, it's someone that you supposedly you can trust, trust. You, you can know? trust, yeah. yeah. This is something we love. And, and my son has a new office now in our new uh, factory. Okay. He's six-year-old. Uh, so he asked for an office. So we built an office for him. So they're going to be my... My wife has her office, I have my office, and my son will have his office to start creating his dreams from, from a young age. So he wants to design his cars and build his cars. Then he asks for an office with a 3D printer, and we're going to make sure to have it ready for him. Otherwise, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, <laughs> no. you are designing for the next generation. Yeah, right? he, has to, so, he has to be part of it, of course. That's great. Yeah. So a few more questions, I think, before we wrap up. Um, what do you have any advice for entrepreneurs in uh, in general about you know taking <laughs> taking a road and, and being successful hopefully don't do it no, i'm kidding don't do it. no i'm kidding it's uh listen if you ask me for instance uh, would i do it again mm. i don't know if i would say yes or not you know because okay. it's such a difficult journey you know uh, to keep on fighting but i would not do it you know, I would not change anything. You know, if I was going to do it again, I would not change anything in my journey. Even though you had the ups and downs and difficult parts, this is what you need to grow uh, as as an individual, as a person, and as a business as well. You cannot just have success and clap hands and be and smiling. You need to face the difficult times. You know, to be able to appreciate the better times that come after, even if they're small better times. But at least you say, okay, yeah. now I see something happening. Um, but never give up. I think that's the key thing that all entrepreneurs always listen and hear and always say. I really never give up, you know, because mm. uh, you never know where life's going to take you. Look at me. I was building a $3 million car and I'm building police cars and I'm building autonomous cars and EVs and drones. And nobody knows where the, where the business is going to take you and where the demand is going to take you. Just be flexible and be willing to not let go of your dream, but grow your dream. It's not only this is what I want to do, but maybe you can do much more. And that's that's the most important thing. Would you would you would you characterize that as lack of focus? Because some people might say, oh, yo, you know, you need to be focused. Focus no, 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 it's not. The, that... I'm not saying you want to do. Uh, I'm doing a car today, and I'm I don't know. I'm selling cutlery tomorrow morning, and I'm. <laughs> this, it's, it's a two different things. No, but related in the same business. But okay. try to expand your your ways because. Many people tend to be very stubborn, especially entrepreneurs, you know, um, say, I want to do this, you know, and I keep on trying, you know, all my life until I make it happen. But maybe I'm missing the point. I have to do this and that and that and that so I can get to that main dream that I have. So my dream was to build an industry. I started with a supercar, but I shifted all the way until I have my factory and my campus built now. So you have to try many avenues to reach uh, the end goal. Yeah, I heard it today on a podcast. They said in entrepreneurship, the lows are very low and the highs are very high. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. I thought it's, it's you know it's as point. well. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 amazing how uh, wherever you are, you know, no matter where uh, or geographically your position or located, you know, entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs. We all face the same things and always say the chance the same challenges. Yeah. But in the end, you know, uh, eventually, we're uh, if you believe in your dreams and you're doing it right. It's going to be a success. On a, on the on the investing in yourself uh, point, because I believe that entrepreneurs are always learning. 
Yeah. Right? Is there um, is there something that you have consciously made in you know to invest in yourself, quote unquote, to yeah, yeah. get you where you are today? Well, I'm. Um, I I was always pushed to join uh, mentorship programs, uh, okay. whether it was Endeavor, whatever it is, all these things. Uh, so I joined YPO a few years ago, uh, the Young President Organization, okay. which I was always okay. You know, another. I don't have time for these meetings, or another. I don't have time for that. But it changed my life, let's say, on a business level and uh, on a personal level. Because actually, you get to learn discipline. You get to learn to be punctual. You get to learn to have, you know, the discretion. Have to... So these are basic things that you think you know already, but you learn it in a different way. Okay. And this creates a better person for you as a, as, a, as a person, as Ralph, and as a business owner as well. So these are things that I'm doing now uh, religiously. So really following up. We have the forums. We have all these things that we do. And it helps a lot for anybody who's creating his business, who's running his own business, to be part of these programs, to start, uh, you know, growing uh, as an individual. Okay, so you advise for entrepreneurs to join some sort of... Yeah, some sort, uh, whether it is YPO program. or anything else. Yeah. Uh, it helps to get, uh, it really helps you as a person. Do you, do you consider yourself successful? I would not say I would consider myself, maybe people consider me successful, I don't know, but... Uh, How do you feel about it? But listen, I, of course, I would not say successful. I'm proud. There is a difference between proud and successful. Okay. You know, for me, success doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah. But uh, pride is what I'm most. Uh, I'm very proud. You know, whether people understand what I do or whether the company is doing well or not. You know, but at least the fact that what we created mm -hmm. and achieved from nothing, literally from nothing, is incredible. And uh, I know it, and I really appreciate everything that we've done. And uh, hopefully, we have a lot of things uh, happening soon, which is going to be really exciting. Yeah. Well, it's so great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I love to hear uh, your story and all the best for the future. Thank you for having me. And hopefully next time when I come here, uh, or maybe next time we can do the podcast in our new factory. This will be cool. You see cars being produced while we're talking uh, about the cars. That will be done. <laughs> done. Thanks, Lulu. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Conversations with Lulu. If you'd like to know more about W Motors, you can visit their website, wmotors.ae. You can also visit the show's website, conversationswithlulu.com, or you can reach out to me on all social media platforms at the handle lulukhazen. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast to get the latest episodes. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear from you, and please do give us a review. See you soon. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.